Welcome to the Rock Christian Church Podcast. Today's message is Rejoice in God by Pastor Sean Wood. Let us pray and then we're going to come around God's Word this morning. Father, I thank you that you're here. You were here before any of us got here. We can leave our spices at home because we're not coming to view a God who's dead. We're coming to celebrate a God who is alive. As we've heard this morning, we don't need to base any trust in stock markets and world news. We can put all of our trust in you. Father, I pray that as we open your word, you will open our eyes and open our hearts to the reality of Christ, I ask, in your wonderful and glorious name. Amen. Amen. If you'd like to meet me in Romans chapter 5, I'll meet you there in a moment. This morning I want to talk about rejoicing in God, but most of us here are Facebook Trojans. Most of us here, I think Facebook has probably even infiltrated our more up generation, as we like to say here at The Rock. Most people here would find themselves on Facebook. But there's an interesting, if you're reading Facebook, if if you're trying to find out information about somebody on Facebook, you might look at uh, the information about perhaps they've put on there uh, where they go to school. Perhaps they've put on there where they live now. Uh, But most people in their Facebook will have a status that will say something along the lines of in a relationship with or somehow we have or or single. Maybe maybe some people on Facebook, your status is that you're single. If you're under 25, that status probably changes every week. But it's interesting, isn't it, when we think about status, I want to talk about status today because Paul, uh, he outlined, has just outlined the status that we have before God, the position that we have before God. I remember when I was in high school and it was all exciting, you know, you, uh, relationships would bloom and, and we all knew in high school, didn't we, where uh, every relationship was going to last forever. We all knew that. Remember those days? Uh, every, every girlfriend or boyfriend we had, we were going to marry them, you know, it was serious. And we knew that it went to the next level when you wrote their name on, on your hand. That was, that was next level kind of stuff. You were put the ring on the finger, there it was. (laughs) But uh, I want to encourage everybody here today because if God was actually your friend on Facebook, his status would read in a relationship with, yeah? His status would read engaged to you. You see, when when Jesus was talking about end times, because there was a lot of uncertainty. 2,000 years ago, would you believe that they were facing uncertain times just like we were and just like we are? And Jesus said, you know, when, at the end of all time, uh, he always spoke parables about a wedding. <laughs> Isn't interesting? Jesus says, when all things are wrapped up, it's going to be like a wedding. And you're either going to have the wedding garments on or you're not going to have the wedding garments on. Okay, uh, so the question then comes, if, if we're working towards a wedding, Jesus, then what do we do now? Well, Jesus gave us two parables in Matthew chapter 25. After all the things had taken place, depending on how you interpret Matthew 24, the kingdom of God will be like this. It would be like 10 virgins waiting for the bridegroom. It's like... What do we do now? It's like you're engaged to me. Behave like you're engaged 
to me. I want to tell you a story about a woman first of all, and then I'll, I'll pick it up in chapter, chapter 7 of Luke. Just a moment as I introduce this this morning. Uh, I want to tell you a story about a lady by the name of Mary. For those that have read John chapter 8, the first part of John chapter 8 speaks about a woman who was caught in adultery. And they bring this woman before Jesus and they demand that she be stoned in accordance with the law. Interesting part though, uh, where was the guy? Interesting. Last time I checked, you can't commit adultery on your own. But that woman at that point in time, many scholars say is actually Mary Magdalene. And Mary Magdalene should have died that day because she was caught in adultery. But we learn a little bit more about Mary from what we can glean from the Gospels because every Gospel records her story because Jesus said that they would. But we learn a little bit that she had a bit of a reputation. She, she obviously engaged in the, the globe's oldest trade, for those that know what that is. And she had a bit of a reputation. She had very few friends, but she did have a couple of friends. And I want to read you the story about Jesus who was invited to a, a dinner with a Pharisee by the name of Simon. One of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him and he went into the Pharisee's house and he took place at his table and behold, a woman of the city, interesting term, who was a sinner. She's not on her own. When she learned that she was reclining at table in the Pharisee's house, when he was, sorry, she brought an alabaster flask of ointment. And standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and wipe them with her hair, with the hair of her head. And she kissed his feet and anointed them with ointment. <laughs> now, when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, to himself, a brave kind of guy, if this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is. <laughs> she, he knows exactly what kind of woman she is. He knows exactly what kind of person each and every one of us were too. And who it was that was touching him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answering said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he answered, say it, teacher. Certain moneylender had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. When they could not pay, that's every one of us, he cancelled the debt of both. That's every one of us. Now, which of them would love more? Easy answer, right? Which one of them would love more? Simon answered, the one I suppose for whom he cancelled the larger debt. And he said to him, you have judged rightly. Then turning toward the woman now, he said to Simon, he says, Simon, do you see this woman? He says, I entered your house, Simon. And you gave me no water for my feet. Disrespectful. But she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss. Disrespectful. But from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. And you did not anoint my head with oil, but she's anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. And I love this last part. It grabbed me this week when I read it. For she has loved much. You see, she got it. Mary had an encounter with Jesus and she got it. 
she understood that she had a transfer of status and a transfer of position. I, I want to make a statement this morning. I believe two things. I believe we have allowed the enemy to steal joy from the church. We'll unpack what that looks like in a moment, but we should be rejoicing in God. I want to share with you a quote from a, a very famous Christian by the name of Dietrich Bonhoeffer. He says, loving God means rejoicing in God, being eager to think of and pray to God. It means being glad to be in God's presence. I wonder how many of us here this morning, if we're honest with ourselves, I wonder how many of us in that parable are Simon. And I wonder how many of us are Mary. It means not grieving God. But rejoicing in God simply because it is God who is involved. And because we are permitted to know and have God and to speak with and live with God. Friends, I want to share a secret with you. If you come here every Sunday morning because this is a service station for you, if you come here every morning because I just want to be filled up on the way back out and I don't want to pay the toll at the Bowser, you're in the wrong place. The reason we come here Sunday mornings, I want to let everybody here on a little secret. (laughs) It's got nothing to do with you and everything to do with him. That's why we're here. The amazing thing and the most gloriously profound thing about God is that when we come here wholly and solely focused on him, we're the ones that get blessed. But the reason we come here Sunday morning is to rejoice in God. Mary was rejoicing in God. Do you know that alabaster flask of ointment was everything she had in the world? It was her life savings. It actually works out to, scholars have worked it out, that jar would have been worth a year's wages. It was perfume, Hugo Boss? No. Hugo Boss wanted the recipe. It was very valuable and she broke it at the feet of Christ unreservedly. And so many of us have got alabaster flasks that we never take the lid off. I want to challenge you this morning because I believe we have something the world doesn't have that we should be rejoicing about. It should make us dance. Remember, when I was in the Salvation Army, we really got spiritual every now and again. We used to sing a song called, When the Spirit of the Lord is in my heart, I'll dance like David danced. And now we used to do this whole thing. I promised everybody wouldn't dance, by the way, so we're going to dance. But, but we used to have a church set up similar to this, and we used to link arms, and we used to walk around singing the song, When the Spirit of the Lord is in my heart, all by the worship leader who was up the front. Only a keyboard, by the way. But we never, we never walked in Sunday wondering where the rest of the worship team was. We had, we had enough, just interestingly enough. Uh, and we've got a glorious worship team here, haven't we? All of them do a great job. And so we used to, and we thought the Holy Spirit had come, you know, in the Salvation Army when we're singing. But that comes from a verse. That comes from a verse where David, Jerusalem and the people of God, they lost the presence of God. They lost the Ark of the Covenant. And the Philistines took it. They put the presence of God in the temple of their God, Dagon. And the statue kept falling over. It's interesting. But finally, the presence of God is coming back to Jerusalem. And that song comes because David was dancing before the presence of God. Why? Because joy had bubbled up over inside of him. We've lost joy, friends. Uh, At the Salvation Army, we had a beautiful little lady. I don't think she listens to this. Ruth Tomlin. She's a beautiful lady, and uh, she would come in every, 
Every Sunday when we finished, I, I still remember this. Every Sunday when we finished, we used to sing a benediction out of the hymn book. And it went something like this. This, this is the God that we adore, our faithful, unchangeable friend, whose love is as great as his power and it knows neither measure nor end. We used to sing that like four times and she would dance. And all the conservatives would be getting twitches. Who's this lady dancing? She had something on the inside that they didn't have. Mary had something on the inside that Simon didn't have. She had some joy. We've got a reason to rejoice. You've got free access to the presence of God. We're going to have a look at that today. We're also going to have a look at what the difference between joy and happiness is here today. I'm not overly concerned whether you're happy or not here this morning, by the way. My concern is whether you are joyous and rejoicing. Let's have a look at uh, uh, Romans chapter 5, verse 1 says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith. Now, the therefore, what is it there for? Everything to do with chapter 4. We've been justified by faith in Christ. But there's two enormously powerful words in here that you will read past and glean over and move on. But I don't want us to move on before we look at them. And they are the words, have been. It's been done. Let's read that again. Therefore, since we have been justified, since we have this status before God by faith, we have been. That means you don't have to earn it. It means God's not waiting for you to clean up your act. It means God's not waiting for you to get the scrubs on. You don't have to clean up your act before you come to Jesus. You're not justified by what you do. Uh, What's the story of the gospel? It's this. You can come to church as often as you like. But if you don't have a relationship with God, you're still not justified. Church attendance doesn't justify you. Giving money doesn't justify you. Stocking up the pantry with toilet paper doesn't justify you. But you have been. What's the message in those two words? The message is that Jesus has achieved this for you. We're going to explore it a little bit more. And now the call of the Christian life is that we enforce it here on earth. That we live in the victory that he has given us. Therefore, since we have been justified by God, we have this new status with God. And what does it allow us? We have good reason to rejoice. Why? Because we have peace with God, says Paul. Paul says, justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. You'll notice when Paul's writing... (laughs) All you're going to read is through Jesus Christ, in Jesus Christ, by our Lord Jesus Christ, by faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. What's the message? It's all by him. That's the message. That's the message of the gospel, by the way. Jesus is the message of the gospel. The good news of the gospel is this, Jesus. And we have peace with God, which speaks about our past is now gone. There's some people in this room that need to leave their past where their past was. There's some people here that are going around and around the mountain in the wilderness. You need to leave your past in the past. You need to come to the one that can give you healing and you need to leave your past where it was. Why? Because you have peace with God. If you were, if you were standing face to face in the presence of God right now, he's not talking about your past. Ever remember what Peter did when the rooster crowed? Denied him three times, just like Jesus said. We get to John 21 and Jesus and Peter meet again and everybody's wondering, when's Jesus going to bring it up? When is Jesus going to say, I told you so? doesn't mention it once, but does ask him a question I think is poignant for today. Do you love me? 
We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Our past has been taken away through him. We have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. What a powerful verse. In the Greek, if you have a NASB Bible, that word access will be translated introduction. And introduction is correct, but they've missed the context of the rest of the verse when they've translated it. The word access means uh, somebody introducing you to a dignitary. Let me give you an example. If there was one person, if someone came to me and said, name one person on the planet you'd like to have an hour's cup of coffee with, apart from my wife, that person's Ravi Zacharias. I mean, if, I, I, I would love to sit down and just pick his brain for an hour over a cup of coffee. Uh, he's going through some health challenges at the moment. But, but what a guy and, and what an intellect God has blessed him with. But, you know, Ravi Zacharias doesn't even know who I am. Now, imagine for a moment that Ravi Zacharias was in Brisbane and I turn up at the venue and I go behind backstage and I knock on the door and walk in and go, hey, Ravi, <laughs> how many people know he's going to go, who are you? Why are you in my room and where is security? You don't have access. Okay. But then he travels the globe with a guy by the name of Vince Vitale, who co-wrote the book Jesus Among Secular Gods with him. Now, if Vince Vitale went behind stage, who he knows quite well, and knocked on the door and said, hey, Ravi, and walked in, Ravi, go, Vince, how are you, man? Come on, sit down. Let's chat. Everything all right? Cool. Now, let me give you a third scenario. If I was at the venue and Vince Vitale was there and Vince grabbed me by the hand and walked up to the door and knocked on the door and walked in and said, hey, Ravi, I've got someone here I'd like you to meet. Different. Now, somebody has introduced me. And this word access here speaks about exactly what Jesus has done. It's the whole reason Hebrews was written. Why? Because Jesus takes us beyond the veils into the throne room and introduces us to God. That's access. And it's not a one-off introduction. It doesn't just speak about salvation. Why? Because he says access by faith into this grace in which we stand. Wow. In which we now Stand. Everywhere you go, every part of your life is lived from the position and the status of you stand in the presence of God. You have unreserved access and you are there because of grace, not by anything that you've done. What a powerful, what a reason to rejoice. Amen? Moving on, he says... And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. So we have peace with God speaks about our past. Uh, the, the grace in which we stand speaks about our present. And that we, we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God, which speaks about our future. But we rejoice. Anybody know what the difference between joy and happiness is? Yeah. Happiness is quite often based on the temporal. Happiness comes and goes quite often with maybe the size of your bank account. Or maybe whether somebody's talking to you or not, or maybe whether you got that promotion or not, depends on how happy or not you are. The difference with joy is it doesn't matter what happens to you in the physical, nobody and nothing can take it away from you because it's anchored in the eternal. 
That's why Hebrews tells us that for the joy that was set before him, Jesus endured the cross. Jesus could see through and past the cross to a far greater joy. And that joy was actually you. We rejoice. We're going to have a look at the power of this joy as we move forward. We rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. What is this joy? This joy is the light at the end of the tunnel that disperses the darkness that is around us. We rejoice. But Paul goes on, and this is where most people are going to say, okay, you need to preach really fast through this part, Pastor. Because he goes on, he says, more than that, we rejoice in our sufferings. What? And if there's anybody who knew what that verse meant, it's the guy who wrote it, Paul. We rejoice in our afflictions. Anybody here, anybody here feel afflicted at times? Anybody here go through hardship at times? Anybody here feel like God is sometimes a million miles away and everything, it's like somebody's let grenades off in your life? Anybody ever felt like they're standing on the front lines in World War I? Nowhere to go, but the bullets are flying everywhere. That can happen for all of us. Paul says, more than that, we rejoice in those moments. Now, before you get the straitjacket for Paul, Paul was alluding to something that, you see, in Jewish culture, if you were undergoing hardship, if you, were, if you were not well, if you were poor, anything like that, it was judgment from God. How dare you stand up and say you're blessed of God? How dare you stand up and say that you hold this position? How dare you call God your father when all of this is going on in your life? Paul says, you know what? Uh, the reason that I can call him my father through all of this stuff is I have a joy that goes beyond Let's have a look at what Paul says here. He says, more than that, we rejoice in sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance. That word endurance means perseverance. It means a singleness of mind. It means a singleness of heart. And endurance produces character. Character is, uh, the term here in the Greek is a tested character. Now, depending on what happens with uh, the coronavirus and everything, the AFL season's about to kick off. Imagine for me a moment as we explore this word character. Some young people here might want to understand what this character is, something you need to build into your life. But, but character, imagine that we get to the finals and the first game of the finals is to be held between two teams. One of them is a team made up, haven't lost a game all year. Great team, great skill, but they've never played the finals. All right. Okay, But they're up against a team who's had an up and down kind of a year, but the last eight years they've played finals every year. Everybody's money's on the team that's played finals eight years. Why? Because they have a tested, they've been tested in the finals arena. Why? Because when they're, when they're in the finals, the pressure increases, everything's coming towards a pointy end and everything matters. Every small mistake now matters. It could cost you the game if you miss that goal. It could cost you the game if you don't spoil the ball. The pressure is intense, but a tested character is those that have been through the finals. We've been through the finals. How does that apply today? You know what? We've seen swine flu. We've, we've, we've seen SARS virus. We've, uh, coronavirus who? What does a tested character look like? A tested character looks like, you know what? I've been through a lot in my life. If God had me then, God will have me now. 
You see, suffering has a way of ironing out the wrinkles in your faith. It has a way of prioritising. There's an enormous word we're going to look at in a moment. Uh, It has a way of prioritising your life. It's a joy that transcends everything. What if I could tell you this morning that this joy is like an artesian well that bubbles up. You don't have to pump it. You don't have to do anything to it. It just bubbles over in your life, but you have to tap into it. What if I could give you the key to tapping into that joy this morning? How many people would want that kind of joy? I want to wake up this mor- tomorrow morning and I want to wake up every morning with a joy that drives me into the presence of God, no matter what's going on around me. Challenge for us all. But the reason is that Rick Warren says, I remember he was talking in a, in a Q&A session and somebody was asking questions about, you know, I've been struggling in these areas and the phone challenge. He said, you know what? He said, so often, he says, we struggle with things and we, and we put it down to a lot of things. He said, but it all boils down to one thing. He says, we have lost the knowledge of how much God loves us. He said, you know, he said, if you grabbed hold of the truth and the revelation of how much God loves you, he said, <laughs> he said nothing could keep you out of church on a Sunday. He said, if you really grab the revelation of how much God loves you, then nothing would stop you from getting the life group. Dust would never grow in your Bible, says Rick Warren, because it would drive us to pursue him. I believe that we have struggled to grab a revelation of the fullness of how much God loves us. Do you know this morning that God loves you? Do you know this morning that when you hated God, He loved you. God's love can be known by us in two ways. First one is subjective. Second one is objective. Let's have a look at the first one. Paul goes on and says, endurance produces character. Character produces hope, a confident expectation. It it whittles out all of our other places we might put our confidence. Character produces hope and hope does not put us to shame because God's love, God's love, God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. The subject of the pouring out there is actually the Holy Spirit. I think I was talking to Steve this morning. Uh, one thing you need to understand about Greek is it's often Yoderish. It, it, it begins with the subject and then gives the description later. And the subject here in the Greek is the Holy Spirit that is being poured out. But we can subjectively know the love of God. That's why most people in this room would testify. That's why at men's breakfast we do testimonies. Why? Because people stand up and say, I don't care what the world says. I don't care what everybody else thinks. I don't care whether you know it for yourself or not. I'm, gonna hear, I'm here to tell you, God loves me and I know it in here. My first pastor said to me, he said, you know, you can, you can argue facts and figures, you can argue scientific debates until you're black and blue in the face, but nobody can take away your personal testimony. Nobody can take away you standing up and saying, God lives on the inside of me and I have a hope that is outside of this world. He's changed me on the inside. That is the subjective love of God that you can know personally. It's a reference point to say, God loves me. And the more the Holy Spirit is poured out, the more of that love we gain a revelation of. But there's another one. God's objective love. Let's keep reading on. Verse 6. For while we were still weak at the right time, at the right time, at the right time, Everybody says there couldn't have been a worse point in history for Jesus to come when the Roman Empire was here. That was exactly the right time to come. 
The reason the gospel spread through Asia Minor so quickly was all roads lead to Rome and the gospel went out. Thank you, Father God. At the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. What? No, no, surely he came for all the righteous and godly people. Where, where were they? Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare to even die. But God does something, it says, verse 8. But God shows, God shows, God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You might be sitting here this morning saying, oh, you, you don't know what I've done, Pastor. No, I probably don't. You, you don't know the mistake. You don't know what I think when nobody else is around. No, I don't. I know this. No matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, no matter what thoughts or what words you've spoken in the past, nothing removes the fact that while you're still a sinner or while you were still a sinner, Christ died for you and God loves you. And I know that. Why? Because when I look back 2,000 years and I look at Jesus upon the cross, it is at that point in time that I can see God loves me. How do we know love? Love's like faith. It's hard to describe. We know love the same way we know faith, by expression. How do I know God loves me? Friends, I want to encourage you this morning, if you're sitting here wondering to yourself, I wonder if God loves me. I wonder if God would accept me. I wonder if God would ever accept and forgive and have his mercy upon me. Then cast your eyes to the cross for a moment. Uh, imagine the, the drops of blood falling from the beams. They are falling for you so that you could have access to God. If you're wondering if God loves you, then cast your eyes to the cross and have no doubt that God loves you. Since therefore, verse 9, we have now been justified by his blood. Much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God. There's a big word. By the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. To reconcile means to take two warring parties. It's, it's to step, it's to mediate, it's to take two opposing conflicting parties, remove all the enmity between them and bring them together. That's called reconciling. Accountants might say we're reconciling the books, Alex. Depends on how much enmity there is in them, I guess. But the fact of the the truth of the gospel is this. There was enmity between us and God. We couldn't do anything about the enmity. God made a way. He's glorious. He's wonderful. God made the way so that the enmity would be taken away and now he brings the two together. Now your status is justified before God. We finish with 
verse 11, more than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. We rejoice in God. You know, John Piper says, John Piper calls himself a Christian hedonist. Does anybody know what a hedonist is? A hedonist is one who seeks or sees the ultimate in pleasure. In fact, hedonism is one of the secular gods of the age that we live in. People's lives are driven to the next moment of pleasure. And John Piper says, I'm a Christian hedonist. Help me greatly. When I first heard that, I thought, this guy's, this guy's off the planet. This guy's, you know, somebody, somebody should put this guy in a padded cell somewhere. We're not supposed to be hedonists. But he says, no, I'm a Christian hedonist. You want to know why? Because I rejoice in God. And, and by that he means I find all of my satisfaction. I find all of my pleasure in God. And I would encourage everybody here to become Christian hedonists. John Piper would say that God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. I want to close with a story. Most people here know, it's a bit of a shocking story, but most of us here know that I used to drive taxis. This is the first time I heard these words. But I can remember one Saturday night, I went and bought the paper, it's now Sunday morning, it's 6.30 in the morning, I'm sitting at the front of the rank, I'm thinking, you know what, I might go home, I now wish I had have gone home, Pete's waiting for me, but uh, I look in the revision mirror and there's a lady and three guys walking down the road. And I think, oh well, you know, I'll do one more fare and then I'll go home, this is obviously the last one, there's, you know, there's some dregs coming out of the last nightclub that's open. I'll wait here and do one more fare. And they take their time. They get a bit of food. I'm thinking, all right, I'll hang around. And as they're making their way closer, I notice something. I notice that the girl was wearing some kind of veil on her head. I noticed that she was very affectionately kissing one of the guys, but being very flirtatious to the other two. I think, oh, it's just another night in Launceston, Bougainville. But, you know, my heart kind of broke because she got to the door of the taxi and she's, the other two guys have left and she's, she's snogging this guy. And she says, she says, I've really got to go. She says, I'm getting married in four hours. Now, if she's got to tell any of those three guys she's getting married, how many people know that she's not marrying those guys? And... Has anyone ever seen the show Taxi Cab Confessions? It's real, friends. It happens. So at 6.30 in the morning, I don't really want to know. I just, I learnt very early on, I, I just mind my own business, whatever. But she gets in the car and she starts unloading her life story. And she goes, you know, uh, I'm getting married today. And I said, yeah, I heard. I said, who's that guy? Oh, I met him tonight. Oh. Okay. And then these words, she says, you know, I've been engaged for quite a while, she says, but I've fallen out of love with my fiancé. Oh. I said to her as we're driving along, I said, it's interesting words you use. I said, you know, I don't think anybody falls out of love. I said, I think we all drift apart. And she goes and tells a whole story and how she's feeling. And I did say to her, I said, look, I, I know it's only four hours away, but why are you getting married? And I was thinking about that recently. And I wonder how many of us maybe use those same words. If we're honest here this morning, I wonder how many of us would say, you know what, I feel like I've fallen out of love with God. 
There are times in my life when I feel a million miles away. And how many of us maybe are dancing with three other things in our lives when there's one waiting at the altar for us? There's times in my life that if I'm honest, I sit before God and I say, God, I think I've fallen out of love. And I go, no, hang on a second. I haven't fallen out of love. I've just drifted away. I don't know if that's you here this morning. I go through times like this myself. And I don't know if that's you here this morning, but if that's you here this morning and you're wondering to, my, to yourself, I feel a million miles away from God. I feel like I've fallen out of love with God. I, I, I don't know if I have anything to rejoice in because I tell you now, you fall in love with God, you rejoice. You'll, dan- you'll dance, friends. You'll dance and you won't care who says anything. Ruth used to dance every Sunday. No matter who looked at her, she didn't care. She didn't care what they said, she danced because she was in love with God. And, and I've been challenged over the last few weeks. Is that me? God, have I drifted? Because you don't fall out of love with God, you drift away. But if you're saying, how do I get back? Well, I want to help you this morning. First one is in Revelations chapter 2, I would encourage everybody, if that's you this morning and you've fallen out of love with God and you're wondering how do I get back, number one, do the first works. Jesus in Revelations chapter 2 is writing a letter to the church in Ephesus. Uh, One day we'll unpack Ephesus because it speaks a lot to the rock, but... But to Ephesus, he says, you guys are doing great. That's how he starts off. (laughs) Who knows there's a but coming. He says, you guys, I see your works and I see your charity. I see everything you're doing. But he gets down, he says, but I have this against you. There's a but. You've abandoned your first love. Stick that in your pipe and smoke it. Ephesus was the church that revival broke out in and it spread through Asia Minor, just as an FYI. Jesus says, you've lost your first love. You've you've abandoned your first love. That's a big word. But he goes on, he says, we're not going to leave you there. He goes on, he says, well, here's how you get back. You remember the position you once held. Remember the status you had with God. Repent, he says, and do the first works. What are the first works? Remember when you were first saved? Uh, everybody here that's married, remember when you first got married and you thought the honeymoon would never end? Remember, remember when you thought it's just going to be the honeymoon and, and onwards? And for many of us, that might be the truth here today. Uh, but uh, for those that are drifting apart, even in our marriages, what's the, what's the encouragement? Go back to doing what you did when you were dating your wife. Go back when you, you did all these extravagant things. Well, now Jesus says, do the first works. Remember when they couldn't keep you out of prayer meetings? Remember when you used to put your Bible in your back pocket and it went everywhere with you? Jesus says, do the first work. Second one is, here's, here's a word that might scare some people today. It's all about prioritisation. <laughs> um, 1 Peter 3.15 says, honour Christ as Lord in your hearts. And, and what he means by that is sanctifying God in your hearts is holy. Take him from the ordinary place and put him back in the special place. How many marriages here do you think will last if we value everybody else over our spouse? They're not going to last very long. And neither is the connection with God. If, if you've fallen out of love with God, it's time to put him back in number one. Our outward physical life reflects our priorities. Our outward physical life reflects our priorities. Our outward physical life in Australia reflects our priorities. Why? Because we can fill stadiums with 80,000 people to watch a couple of goofy guys run around and chase a red ball 
I've done it. They're all goofy. I've been in the change rooms with them, right? But we can put 80,000 people in a stadium to watch football, but we can't get people to church on a Sunday because we're busy, pastor. And, and you know, I, I stubbed my toe a couple of days ago. Sounds stupid, but at the end of the day, those same people can make it to football matches. We can make it to the beach. Priority. The last one is communication. Do the first works. Put God back in number one. Start prioritising God again. The last one is, how many, how many marriages... Who was I talking to? Bill. Uh, praise God Bill's in the office, by the way. <laughs> but I was talking to Bill the other day, and I was talking to Sonia. And I said, I said there's something that ladies need to understand. In, in Tasmania, we have a place called Launceston and a place called Hobart. Two hours apart. You guys would know now. Two hours apart. Do you know two guys could sit side by side in a car for the whole two hours, drive from Launceston to Hobart, not say a word, get out of the car, not a problem. No dramas. Cruise on, yeah, life's good. All right, you put, you put male, female side by side for two hours, not a word is spoken, you get to Hobart, how many know that guy's a dead guy? <laughs> what have I done? Not a word from you then? All right, most males are going, yeah, yeah, move on. Here's the really important one. You put two women in the car. <laughs> Right? How many people know you don't get 20 minutes down the road? <laughs> and it's, pull over, girlfriend, I'm out. <laughs> Relationships thrive in communication. If, you've, if you're feeling a million miles away from God, when was the last time you talked to him? More importantly, when was the last time you listened to him? Friends, very simple and practical steps. But I know this, two things. You fall in love with God, you will dance up and down the aisle. The devil has stolen, and we've allowed him to, steal the joy from the church. And he's also pulled us away from the most vital relationship in the universe. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you would light a fire in every one of our hearts here this morning. Lord God, teach us to fall in love with you. Teach us to prioritise you. Teach us, Lord God, to open the lines of communication. Teach us, Lord, what the first works are. Lord, in all these unsettling and uncertain times, we look to you. And we rejoice. Because nothing that happens here on earth can take away our status with you. Lord God, I pray that every person here would tap into that artesian well of joy that bubbles over. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Rock Christian Church podcast. To be notified when the next episode is available, subscribe on our website at therock.org.au. You can also connect with us on Facebook at The Rock Christian Church. We hope you have been blessed today and we look forward to you joining us for our next episode.